Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on ESN. My guest this week is Ashley Esqueda, returning for the second time. She's a senior editor at CNET and the host of Tomorrow Daily. How's it going, Ashley? It's good. Thanks for having me back. It's a, a, a pleasure. Uh, Long this time. is turning into an unofficial like Women in Tech Month. I, I, I'm okay with that. I'm really hoping to get uh, Brianna Wu on, but she's very busy. She is busy fighting off all of the crazy people on the internet. Yeah, we, we might talk about that in a minute, but let's talk <laughs> about uh, Tomorrow Daily first. Yeah, it's um, so I do at CNET. My main job is hosting and pre-producing uh, and post-producing a daily tech talk show called Tomorrow Daily. Uh, we like to discuss future tech, so that's hence the tomorrow in the title, and I love it. It's so fun to be able to do a job that uh, is kind of the reason I got into technology, which is the idea that uh, any morning I could wake up and something new could be invented or announced that would sort of change our lives forever. So being able to go into a studio and film, you know, just kind of a free form talk show. There's some structure to it and we do pick our stories in advance and things like that. But being able to go in and just talk about, you know, hey, this is Lego Dimensions. And then also we'll talk about, you know, a tiny computer that fits on the edge of a nickel, you know, that you can inject into your body. It's, I mean, it's really amazing to see how much technology has even changed in the time I have been alive, much less, you know, the entire scope of humanity, how much technology has changed. It's so just really exciting. Um, did you, uh, did, okay, so John Stewart has turned the Daily Show, which also has the word daily into in it, uh, into a, like a four day a week, every two week kind of thing. Mm-hmm. How many days a week does uh, Tomorrow Daily run? Um, well, I'm very inspired by late night television. So we also do a four show a week. Uh, run. However, we do not go on hiatus like other late night <laughs> talk shows. Um, we get a couple weeks off. I th- believe we get a week off at Christmas. And then uh, that's pretty much it. So it's my full time job every week, day in, day out, Monday through Thursday. And then usually Friday is spent kind of, uh, you know, doing all of the things I did not have time for Monday through Thursday. So any meetings that I need to have, any um, taking a look at, you know, our ratings and taking a look at how we could, you know, tweak the format of the show or, you know, going back over something that maybe we wanted to do um, scheduling wise, we want to do a location shoot, things like that. So uh, really it's, I mean, I had a lot of respect for late night hosts and uh, what they do and their, their staffs every, uh, every day uh, before I started doing this job. But now it's just exponential. I can't imagine what it would be like to do it on a broadcast television level. It would be insane. But I guess I sort of like that, you know, that deadline, that daily deadline where it's like the show just has to go on. Like you can't, uh, you can't take time off when you're sick. Like you can't just not show up, you know, it's like you just push through it. And host is a very, uh, it's a limited description of what you do. Cause most of the late night talk show people, they have writers, they have producers, they have managers. And mm-hmm. they really just have to worry about hosting. Yeah, uh, yes and no. I, I, a lot of them are act pretty actively involved. Oh, in sure. Writing. I'm not. I'm not um, saying they they just show up and read scripts. I'm but they do have a team of people. Yeah, they do. What have you a team. describe to me that you do is insane. I can't believe you do that every day. <laughs> my RSS feed is outrageous. Like you would not believe. Um, so most of my morning is spent culling stories, uh, and I've got. I believe I've got at least 
at least 1500 websites that I that I kind of scroll through their RSS feeds in uh, in Reader. Shout out to Reader um, because I would never be able to do this job without Reader. Mac or iOS? Mac. Okay. Yeah, and, that would be uh, 1500 feeds on an iPhone would kill me. I have it on iPhone just in case, like just in case maybe I have a doctor's appointment or, you know, I've got to take a dog to the vet or something like that. Just in case I need to have it on the go, I do have it with me. But um, basically, I just, you know, if I see something, a link to something online, I'll actually go into Reader and star it so that I don't forget that it existed. Uh, and it's, um, it's, I mean, it's, it's really weird because sometimes I feel like I'm not working because I'm just surfing the internet, but I'm, I'm, I'm actively looking for you know, what we need for the show. So isn't it's, it um, awesome to get paid for things you were going to do anyway? Pretty great. And, you know, and, and I talk about this stuff anyway with my friends and, and Kale, my co-host is a friend, you know, is a friend. And so to be able to go in every day and basically just talk about space and robots and, you know, tiny computers, like fantastic voyage. Like this is like the best job ever. I, ca- I can't complain. Everyone thinks I'm weird, but what I really want is a subdermal watch. I, you know, I, what did I see? Uh, somebody, there is somebody who's like trying to do that where it's like a really, um, well, MIT a clear started LED doing it screen. 10 years yeah. ago, but yeah. So, so like the LED was translucent through like the top five mm-hmm. layers of the epidermis. Yeah. It's so weird. I would love that. It's, I don't wear a watch. So I like, I don't like things kind of hanging on my wrist. I don't like yeah, wearing bracelets either. either. So I, the Apple watch was not for me. I like it's it's fine. I and other wearables. I love the look of like the Moto 360 and the Huawei watch. Like that looks really good, but I'm just not a watch person. Yeah, me either. I if it were built into my body, I mean honestly, I would trade out anything for bionic parts if someone offered them to me. I have like I no think, yeah. attachment to anything on my body. There's a there was a news story we did maybe a month ago about three guys who had um problems with some of the nerves, uh, they had like an issue with their arms and it basically made one of their arms on their bo- each of their bodies completely non-functional. Like they were just kind of dead arms and, uh, they volunteered to have their arms amputated and be fitted with these like bionic arms and stuff. And, uh, man, it's just, it's going to, we're going to start seeing that. I mean, I think in the next 10, 10 to 15 years, we're going to start seeing people voluntarily just removing body parts to start making them bionic, which is going to be crazy. I mean, I, we're, the first one is going to be like somebody who has absolutely nothing wrong with them and says, <laughs> I choose it's to an have, upgrade. yeah, like I choose to upgrade my body with robotics. It's going to be such a huge story. I'm totally there. I think I saw the video of those guys. I remember uh, it was a completely bionic arm and the dexterity of the fingers that were being controlled through basically like muscle movement at the stump. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you they could have peel to train a banana them. with it. Yeah, they have to train them. It's it's really amazing what they're able to do. They had to take muscle from, I believe, their, their uh, thighs. And they had to put that, transplant it into their arms. Um, and then they had to... Uh, do a simulator before their arms are amputated. They had to work on a simulator so that, uh, one, they could sort of get used to the movements that were required to control the bionic arm, and uh, and two, so that the muscle could sort of understand what it was doing in this new location. And so then they would, so that took, I think, like eight weeks, and then they then they did the amputation, and then they, you know, were fitted for these bionics after they healed, and uh, and they, but they knew exactly how to use them, which is really, I mean, it's so impressive. There's another guy who had double bionic arms that were fitted, guy who lost the, his arms in an electrical accident when he was like a teenager, I think. And, uh, his name was like less. And he was the, the number one thing he wanted to do was put a quarter in a, in a vending machine. That was like the thing that excited him the most. It was just so just like such a, it's a small victory, but like in such a big way, it's just so cool. 
Right. And, and, and like you were saying, it's crazy to be alive right now. I mean, I saw a video of a blind woman being given sight and like the look on her face, she just broke down in tears because she saw colors and to see that happen. And these things that really just weren't possible even 20 years ago Mm -hmm. and more and more are becoming possible every day. And it is a, it's a weird time to be alive to see the pace and all the, all the naysayers that are afraid that were just, spinning headlong into oblivion and armageddon but it's i mean i think we i think i think people feel that way maybe a little bit because we are moving so fast and i think i think that that's sort of just a natural response to i mean i think society there's always been a, a number of people or a percentage of people in society no matter what time period that we have been in as a species who have said Oh, we're, you know, we're hurtling towards the end. This is, this is the worst, you know, like when rock and roll came about in the fifties, it was just like, <laughs> oh my God, this is the end. Like, this is, I don't know what's happening with these kids today. And well, see, um, that's the thing is the older generations want to slow down. They've done their, their innovative, you know, uh, pursuits early mm-hmm. on and now they're, they're getting tired and old and they want to retire and the, the damn kids won't stop. Yeah, I you know I read this really interesting. Um, it might have been a shower thought on Reddit, and uh, it's so funny. I like I love that. It, I but I read it and I was like, wow, that's so true. Is that the reason it feels? You know, people always say, oh, when you're older, time goes by so much faster. But it, they said I think the reason why is because when kids are kids, and it seems like time goes by really slowly, it's because one year in the life of a five year old is twenty percent of their life. Yeah. And then, but but one year in the life of a thirty-year-old is a, is one thirtieth of their life. I mean, it's such a small. It's yeah, it's infinitesimal compared to that year as a child, and I, so it just seems m- so much longer because it's such a big part of your life. One year when you're a kid, and now it's just you know when you're older, you're just like eh, a year goes by. Oh, whatever. Oh, totally. When you when you're little, you you count everything in like three month increments. I'm I'm eleven and two co- two thirds <laughs> exactly. But like I, the only year of my life that I remember prior to like being twenty two is is when I was seven. And that really? year in my mind, that is just an epic year. And it feels like it was forever. It feels like there was a whole lifetime in that year. And now the calendar changes years before I even realize what's it's going so fast. on. I know. It's unreal. I, like I was looking at the calendar the other day. I'm like, when did we get to April? I've actually come to hate Fridays because I blink and my week is just gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I, I always laugh when I go somewhere on Friday. Like if I go to the store, if I, you know, go to some people, you know, then the cashier is always like, oh, you got, got big plans for the weekend. And I'm just like, no, no, I have no plans. I love having no plans. I'm a homebody. I would like to stay home. I like to binge watch something on Netflix, play some video games. Like that's, that's all I want to do. I I'm exactly I like going the same. anywhere. People people ask me about weekend plans, and I usually don't even realize that it's the weekend. Yeah, I just... But working at know. home has that effect on you. It does. I, I, I worked at home for a very long time, and uh, even now I work my first half of the day is home. So because there's not really any point in me going into an office and, you know, lo- doing something that I could have saved a half hour doing by not sitting in traffic on the way in. So I wish I wish more companies would realize that that's the case. I think I've never had a job that I couldn't do half from home. Yeah, it's um the CNET has been very awesome in in that respect. I mean, it's it's very cool to be able to kind of wake up, 
you know, and I like I do have a schedule. I mean, I have to I have to schedule myself. Otherwise, things just get out of control and then we start shooting late and then the show goes up late and then I go home late. But, um, you know, I wake up at a specific time. I get up I make myself breakfast. Uh, you know, I, I look and then I immediately I like hit the Internet and it's, you know, it, like I said, it doesn't feel like work, but I do have to find those stories and I have to put together our rundown for uh, Logan. So I've got to find our producer, Logan. I've got to find all the B-roll and everything and make sure that, you know, we have a lot of visuals for the show. See, that right there is not usually a host job. No. Well, I'm a little bit it's of an cool everyman. It's cool that you can do it. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've always been like that. I I, um, I went to college at Chapman University and... Uh, I go back there and do talks like every now and again. My mentor there, Ross Brown, does a uh, foot in the door night where all the students can go and listen to a handful of people who are graduates who are in different points in their careers. So some people have been working for 10 years and other people have just gotten out of college. Like so they've been working for about a year. And it's really interesting and fascinating. And it, it I feel like it really helps them. Uh, they all seem to really enjoy it. And th- we all, every year we get the same question, which is, if you could recommend something that we do while we're in college to help us when we get out, what what would you recommend? And I always say the same thing, which is take classes on everything. That's what I did. I, I took writing classes. I took camera classes. I took a, a, an advanced news shooting class, um, even though I knew I wasn't going into news. But now I understand what good footage is and I understand what good B-roll is. Uh, you know, I, I the only classes I didn't take were uh, I didn't take graphic motion graphics I didn't take anything with After Effects and I didn't take anything with uh, like line production because I am just not that person I'm not so scheduled that I can put together you know a budget for you know a film or anything I I just don't need that so um, yeah I mean I I, like I I think it's really important for people to be very well-rounded in whatever career they go into because especially in the entertainment industry you just never know what your boss is going to need you to do in any industry. My right. first job out of uh, out of college, there was a little break, but my first real job, I, I did the everyman thing, and uh, I took on way too much, and then people around me started quitting, and the company would just give me a raise and give me their job, too. <laughs> yeah. And, Pretty and, soon, I'm doing four people's jobs. Yeah, and that's, you know, and it is one of those things where it is a catch-22. It, it does get exhausting. I mean, there were points where um, at one point, a few years ago, I was working four freelance, four or five freelance jobs. And I think four out of five of them had video that I was making literally from start to finish. I would write the scripts. I would do all the research. I would set up my green screen studio. My husband would put me in focus and hit record because I couldn't <laughs> do that myself because I didn't have go-go gadget arms. I would record the show. I would then take the footage, edit the footage, put in B-roll, do all of the... I, some of it was green screened, so all of it was green screened. I'm sorry. At that time, it was all green screened. And I would key all that footage, uh, put in you know backgrounds and graphics and you know all that stuff, and then I would, I would have to publish it myself. And so it was very, um, it was very stressful, but I was working like seven days a week. And, uh, and again, it's, I, I have a sick addiction to the thrill of a deadline (laughs) i don't know what's wrong with me that's terrible that was actually going to be one of our topics but we're almost out of time for the interview part i should just keep going do you want to hear about my educational background do i'm so curious it's it's almost exactly like yours except i did the because i went to pseo in high school which is post-secondary education options where they send you to college and you get both college credit and high school credit right before you even graduate 
So by the time I, well, I went, and then I wasted a year at the University of Minnesota, but I got a ton of liberal arts credits out of it. So by the time I went to the school that I graduated from, Minneapolis College of Art and Design, I walked in with 60 credits. And I had the opportunity to take all kinds of classes that had nothing to do with my plans. But everything from figure drawing to 3D to welding and it it get it was um well rounded and I, I came I out happier for it for sure. I did something very similar. I uh, I wasted the first year of college at UC Riverside, and uh, I got some very bad advice from an English major advisor, like a student advisor, and ended up taking a bunch of classes that counted towards absolutely nothing. <laughs> and then I was very upset with that and left. Um. And I ended up going to five different colleges. Two of them were junior colleges. Three of them were universities. And uh, I went to University of Laverne, um, which lasted a semester until I realized I literally could not sustain how much money I owed every semester. It was like $8,500 out of pocket. And I'm like, there's just no way. Like, I can't. I can't do this. And and so I left there and I got a full-time job writing for a video game magazine. And uh, I, it was just like between college, I was like working these kind of weird jobs. I uh, and and so did that. And then finally, I got to a point where I was like, OK, I got to lock it down. I got to graduate. Like, I feel like I'm kind of letting myself down if I don't go get my diploma. My <laughs> so wife kind did of that. that. Yeah, I was just like, man, I probably should go get it. And so it took me. Gosh, it almost took me 10 years. From, so you're basically from, a doctor now, right? Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I like I've seen, <laughs> you know, between the amount of medical television I've seen and the time I've spent in college, I feel like maybe I could perform a surgery. Yeah. Can you do my bionic arm? Yeah, totally. I'll fit you for that. No problem. I've also seen a lot of that too on YouTube. I've seen so much. And so I feel like I could really, I feel like I could do it. Um, But yeah, no, it's a, it's so it took me almost 10 years and, um, and you know, it's like I always tell people, you know, people always go, Oh, like, how did you get there? And how did you, you know, how do I get your job? Like, how do I do what you do? And I'm like, man, I like, I don't know. Like, I can't, I wish I could tell you there's no formula. I mean, I really kind of careen through life and I did. did. And I just kind of made my own path because nobody was offering me anything. And so I was just like, well, you know what? I'll just do it myself. And I did. And then, you know, finally I got to the point where CNET called, came a calling, and uh, and I I felt like I said no to them because you know they're up in San Francisco and I'm in LA and we had just closed on a house and I I had to tell who is my now boss's boss I said you know I'm I'm interested but unfortunately personally um, we can't move my husband's career is here like he's his career is in Los Angeles and uh, and honestly I don't really like San Francisco so I like I love LA I'm an LA girl my family's here I I was born and raised here I'm a sixth generation Southern Californian like we we won't leave not even if it turns into Mad Max after all the water runs out like it will I'm sure we'll be still kicking around down here oh don't worry you'll be underwater soon enough yeah, well, see, that's the thing. Like, I think, uh, you know, we have this terrible drought, but once that big earthquake hits and we all go underwater, it'll be fine. Yeah. yeah it, it balances <laughs> out, right? I'm going to totally get a seahorse for a car. Giant oh, nice. seahorse. That's what I'm hoping for. So there was this topic that we kind of glossed over in the pre-show that I'm actually really um, interested in right now. And that was, uh, you, you talked about, you know, whether or not you want to have kids. Yeah. And with your schedule, with what you do every day, all week long, maybe having kids isn't feasible, but do you still, you, you want to make time for that? I think so. I, you know, it's, it's weird being a product of, uh, I was, we talked about this in the pre-show. My mom had me when she was very young. She was 16 
And so when you are, you know, twice that age and you are, you know, you're in your thirties and you're thinking, oh my God, my mom had me like half my life ago, (laughs) pretty much. You're thinking like, oh my God, is it too late? Like, should I just give up on that? Or, and there's a part of me that is very much, you know, I feel like if we, if my husband and I didn't, we would be fine. Like we're, we're best friends. We, we have a blast together. We, we would travel. I'm sure we would have a great life if that never happened. Like if we never had a kid, like we, we have hilarious dogs and we have a great life and we're, you know, very aware of that fact. Um, and I think part of that is, you know, one of the reasons why we've kind of waited this long because we're, there's never a perfect time, but also, you know, we're having, you know, we're having a lot of fun and, and we like stuff. Like I like to buy myself stuff. I just bought a camera and I'm just like, I can't, I wouldn't be able to do that. I'd have to save up for like years if I wanted to buy this camera. You'd have to change everything. Yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, it's such a big lifestyle change. And so I, I kind of really struggle with it. It's, it's hard because, you know, for me, I think it would be, I would, I'm sure, um, you know, not to go all traditional, traditional family unit, but I mean, I'm sure my life would be the most impacted by it because one, uh, you know, obviously I would have to carry that kid. But secondly, um, you know, I'm on camera. And so it's like, this is, you know, how, like, at what point does it become like, oh, I can't do this anymore. Like I can't, you know, it's four days a week and this is literally eating up my whole life. And, and I love my job. Like I love what I do. And so there's a big part of me that's like, well, I really like having spending money and I really like having freedom. I really like sitting around on a Saturday and playing Final Fantasy 14 all day in my underwear, like, and not having to worry about anybody else. (laughs) So there's a part of me that's like, I could, I could live without it if it never happened, but I think there's a part of me that would be bummed if it didn't. See, I made a, I, I was kind of ambivalent for a long time and then made a pretty firm decision with my wife that we weren't going to have children. Mm-hmm. For many of the reasons that you named, plus, I mean, even if, if we did decide to have a kid, we would adopt. My wife is adopted, and we both agree that there are enough children in the world right now yeah. that we would we would just get one, you know, already baked. And, <laughs> I, uh, I'm a, I'm a, I will fully admit to being a total narcissist and, like, just being <laughs> like, I got to have my DNA running around. I got to give back to the earth. See, I like, don't have that drive. Like, I have no drive to propagate. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think that that's been kind of drilled into us. Like as it's really weird kind of being, I'm like right on the edge of being a millennial. I guess I'm on the older end of being a millennial. And um, I find it really fascinating that A, less women, less people are choosing to have children. And B, um, it's so much less of a social stigma now when you when you say like, oh, I'm not going to have kids. Like most people don't recoil in horror and right. go, oh my not, god, not what's wrong with to. you? They're still it's yeah. still oh, on still people's people minds. Do. Yeah, of course. There's still that idea that anyone who doesn't have children is selfish. Right, but, but I it see, seems but the thing really is, is selfish like, to me to populate yeah. the world that much. Yeah, no, and that see, I feel the same way. It's like I there's it's really weird because I'm like, well. It, it's really for me, it's a lose-lose because I'm like, do I choose my own personal selfishness and, and you know, not have a kid and, and have fun and have money and, you know, have a life outside of, you know, like choose to do that? Or do I choose my own personal selfishness <laughs> just in a totally different way? Like, it's it's so weird. It's such a weird time for me. Like, I... 
No, I wasn't I get, expecting I to have to be an adult so soon, but I'm also in my, like, it's so weird. Like, I'm like, I'm in my 30s. Like, I should be a freaking adult at this point, and I'm just not. Like, I feel like in a lot of ways, I just, I really enjoy, I mean, I, I, I take care of myself. My husband and I have a have a nice, cute little house, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's bigger than a bread box in Los Angeles, which is, like, a total win. And... Um, <laughs> And we're not starving, which, you know, again, in Los Angeles is a, mir- a small minor miracle. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's just kind of, it's, like I said, it's it's literally like, oh, do I choose this this personal selfishness or this personal selfishness? And it's like, I kind of am like, well, I wish I could just not, I wish I could just not choose and just have, like, just have life decide for me. But, like, I, I, I hate not having control over that. So it's like, well, well, like rate, I'm going to have to decide at some point. At the rate that technology is advancing... Perhaps by the time you are ready to slow down and and foster a family, you, we can extend the life and the uh, and the birth cycle further, and you'll live yeah. to be 150, so you can have two lifetimes. Alyssa, so my plan is this: like, if I could just grow the like a baby in like a like the Matrix, like if I could just like yeah. give my DNA somewhere to some company, they just grow my kid and then give it to me when it's ready. Great. And then second part of that is, is I'm hoping that before I die, there will be some way to upload my consciousness into some sort of program. Like, I don't really care about having a body. Like, I would love to be a robot. I like to tell people I'm a Cylon. Like, it's a running gag. So A, I, I, I would love the idea of the incubator, but I would extend that to be like a board and train thing. So give it to me once it's like ready to roll and I can just take it to soccer games. Um, yeah, exactly. But what was the second thing you said? Oh, just uh, you know, having having the ability to like upload my consciousness. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a dream of mine. Like, yeah. like I said, Isn't I would trade out my entire body for bionics. Yeah. Like, all I want is to be able to create and to innovate, and the rest of it doesn't really matter to me. But that also ties into the fact that. If I had a kid, I would feel like I was leaving a legacy, like I was continuing. But instead, I have this strong drive to make a big enough difference myself mm-hmm. that I live on through what I create. Yeah, maybe that's my problem. Maybe I'm struggling with the idea of having a kid because right in the back of my mind, my brain's like, but you might not need it because your consciousness could be uploaded. Like it just, you know, like really think so about awesome. this because you might not need a kid it might you might be able to just live like just keep living like in a computer construct just like the matrix there's a movie <laughs> very recently about uploading some i can't even remember who was in it now was it transcendence that terrible yeah, movie with johnny yeah, yeah, depp yeah, yeah. Yeah, i didn't it see horrible. it horrible oh my god it was so bad i watched uh fast and furious seven last night how was that? I went to the theater. It was the worst goddamn movie I've ever seen. So I've heard that it's like a superhero movie, but with cars. And I, I subscribe to it's that. Not I mean, it's a good, popcorn though. flick. The, the main, like, I watched the Fast and the Furious series because they did some really cool, like, uh, like the drifting and the Oh, yeah, the, the trick stunts driving. are incredible. The big fight scenes, twice, it's just Statham and Vin Diesel driving at each other head on in a game of chicken and just smashing oh. their cars that's oh, as like that's intense great. as it gets super fancy i'm you know i'd like i want to go see ex machina have you seen the trailers for that ex machina yeah it's uh it's got oscar isaac in it and uh oh, i'm gonna forget the name of the other actor i love oscar isaac so it's two actors who are in the new star wars movie <laughs> and um oscar isaac has made this ai name i think it's ava and um 
she basically starts you have to kind of decide it's kind of like a thriller and uh, it just came out this weekend you should go see it it's um it looks fantastic I and live my in a co-host town of 25,000 I doubt we have it oh man well it's um Kale saw it at South by Southwest and came back and just raved about it. Said it was amazing. So it was absolutely amazing. Really great depiction of sort of this like AI, robotic AI that was sentient and like kind of turning the he Oscar Isaac brings this guy to go see the the robot and the AI that he's built. And she kind of like turns him against his friend. And you, you don't know who you can trust. You don't know if you can trust the AI or if you can trust the guy or if you can trust it like it's very the trailers make it look just so good. And um, apparently the movie is the same. It's very, very good. And I'm very excited to go see that. You should come on Overtired. I will. Have you ever heard Overtired? I've never heard Overtired, but that phrase really resonates with me because I feel like that all the time. Well, it's, uh, it's with Christina <laughs> Warren. Oh, I love Christina Warren. And the two of you together, I wouldn't have to say a word. You guys would go nuts. And we love talking about movies and TV. So you should do that. Oh, I will 100%. Movies and TV are like, man, I'm a I'm a television student. I mean, I graduated with a degree in in television production and uh screen and television screenwriting. So, I am all about like I love the history of TV, the business of it. Like it just it fascinates me to no end. And this all this new media stuff, like, oh man, like this is just like it's like candyland to me to watch all this happen and feel like I'm kind of seeing a part of television history like right in my life. It's just so cool. You would absolutely love having an hour to talk to Christina. I'm sure I would. I follow she's, her on she's Twitter. A, she's, she's, a, she's a Christina Pedia of movies and TV. Yeah, I have. I've literally a little. I've got a, a minor, a minor PhD in like late night. So that's like my big thing. <laughs> if you if you ever want a really good book to read, um, there's this great book. If you have any fascination with the late night wars with Leno and Letterman and Conan and like what all happened in that like big mix up and and everybody else coming up at the same time, there's a there's a great great book by um oh bill oh my gosh what's his name oh, i'm gonna forget his name it's so terrible bill carter bill carter and um it's about late night and he um he talks about it's called uh i think it's called desperate networks and uh, that's what it is it's desperate networks and uh man he is he is just spot on he follows he he basically only writes about late night television. And so his book has just got all kinds of great anecdotes and these sort of behind the scenes kind of movements where all the different networks were kind of scrambling and the whole handoff with Leno and Conan and then Leno coming back and taking it from him. I mean, oh man, it's just so fascinating to me. And I just I can't get enough of it. I love stuff like that. I thought you were gonna tell me that Bill O'Reilly wrote a book called Killing O'Brien. Oh man, that would be so amazing. Um, but no, uh, and and like he also, he, so desperate networks has like other stuff too. Like they have how friends came about, like how NBC sort of slid out of the comedy slot, like how they kind of ruined this powerhouse that they had built in the nineties, the Thursday night comedy block that they had in the nineties with Frasier and friends and, you know, all the stuff they had going on in the nineties. And then they just, they ruined it. I mean, they literally killed it. And, um, and it had a sort of short revival with 30 Rock, but um, oh man, it's it's some really good read. Like if you like real life kind of behind the scenes drama at Desperate Networks, I mean, you can't beat it. I got to tell you, I just finished a book last night and it's the first novel I have finished in 10 years. Really? I have not been able to read for a long time, just not able to stick with a book long enough. Mm-hmm. And I I made some life changes and suddenly found myself able to 
read and it was a short book it was um the uh oh what's it called neil gaiman's new one uh the ocean at the end of the uh-huh eh, no i never his, looked but at the i know title. his new book i um i saw really him good. talking about it like is was it really it was i loved it i i got totally wrapped up in it his writing style is so kind of um I don't know how to describe it, but he's it's it's really easy to uh, kind of concentrate on without drifting off because he's he's more concise than like mm-hmm. reading Stephen King. Yeah, he's not, he doesn't he doesn't mess around with language. He's very um, very direct, and, but in cool. a very fanciful kind of whimsical way, which is great. Here's what's cool, and I didn't realize it till I finished the book is the the book the hardcover copy all the edges of the pages are ragged like uh, like hand cut looking. Mm-hmm. Except for the first like ten pages and the last ten pages, and then I realized that the first ten pages are where it's like current. It's now before he starts telling the story, and as soon as he starts recollecting his childhood, oh, that's when the pages even. go ragged. That's cool. and then once that story ends and he comes back to wrap it up, the it goes clean cut again. It's so it was cool. That's that a nice touch. That is really touch. cool. I uh, I tend to read. I read a lot. And, uh, I mean, not as much as I wish I was, but I read a lot of, um, kind of nonfiction, either social science books or books about people's careers and things. So, um, I've recently read Yes, Please by Amy Poehler, which was great. Um, and I read, I like medical books. So I've read a book about a New York medical examiner and her sort of her career and how she got started and all of the a lot of the cases that she's seen and oh man like I don't know why I'm just like obsessed with that stuff so I love I think in another life I'm I'm probably at some kind of medical examiner uh, forensic <laughs> medical examiner because man I love I love the human body and I love what happens to it when it dies like I don't like I'm just obsessed with the idea like I just it's so fascinating to me like I I can't get enough of reading about that and uh, I love Mary Roach so she's got a book called Stiff which uh, the subtitle is The Curious Lives of Human Cadavers and it's all the ways that we use cadavers in society now so body body worlds like you can send your body to be plastinated uh, medical use you can send it for uh, you know you can and here are the ways you can dispose of it and speaking of that there's also uh, Caitlin Doty who runs The Good Death which is a website kind of dedicated to taking back uh, the funeral industry in this country because it's become, I guess, she feels it's become so sterilized that um, we kind of hide from it. And we shouldn't because, you know, it's just part of life. And that's, you know, we should embrace it and we should uh, we should be more involved in that process. And uh, it's just super fascinating stuff. Like, I, I just like to read about other people's careers and uh, and other things that are happening or have happened. And um, I just, uh, I've, I've, I have fallen out of favor with fiction lately just because, it's it's become so apparent to me how fascinating other people's real lives are, and I just I love that. I mean, I like just have a, kind of a, a kick for that right now, and I just uh, I absolutely love reading about other people and their experiences, and it makes me feel in a little way like maybe I could, you know, imagine what it would be like to live vicariously through them, which is always fun. Yeah, well, I was in that spot for a long time, but I missed, I like as a kid, I could bury myself in a book for mm-hmm. days, and I missed that kind of just getting lost in a story and yeah so i've been trying for 10 years and i, I think the, the last fiction book that i really buried myself in was uh harry potter it's the harry potter series never read those my yes. wife did she explained it all to me 
They're, uh, you and know, she they're very good. the movies all the way through. They're very good. And I, th- I like the movies. Um, no, she, she loved the movies. They have like parties still, so much like every miss. weekend, and oh. they get together and watch the movies. But there's but so much she, that they can't put in. Right. She fills in all the blank spots yeah. for me. Yeah. And it's, so. um, but the books are great. I mean, I, my brother and I, I remember I, uh, Order of the Phoenix. I remember being out with my family, like on a road trip or something. And we, my brother and I found a Barnes and Noble in like Santa Barbara. <laughs> we sat in line at midnight. We like told my mom, we're like, no, we have to go get this book. <laughs> this episode of Systematic is brought to you exclusively by Paddle. The best way to manage and sell your apps and games as an indie developer. If you're an indie dev, Paddle saves you from worrying about how you're selling and managing your apps. You have enough things to do already. What happens when you want to sell unlockable content and additional features? How are you going to know how many people let their trial run out? There's a whole list of stuff you'd usually freak out about, and Paddle keeps it from ever even getting onto your to-do list or getting stuck in the back of your head. You already have enough on your plate. If you don't have time to integrate a bunch of additional code, good news for you is that Paddle integration is literally three lines of code. That's it. So to support Systematic, visit paddle.com slash podcast to learn more you've got enough to do let paddle take care of the rest thanks to paddle for supporting systematic and esn we got to get to the top three picks but there's a paragraph in that neil gaiman book where he talks about how there's no such thing as adults they're all just children wrapped in older bodies and i honestly think that nobody ever feels like they're grown up yeah no i I buy that i i think a lot of times you know i'm still still so much a kid on the inside and i like i mean i i don't want to let that go i don't think i should i think it's sad if you decide that you've learned everything you can and you've gotten everything you can out of life and you're just ready to sail along until you die that's very sad that's a bummer i mean i like i always feel as a host and as you know somebody who has been in this industry for over five years now there is always going to be a part of me and i think this is just part of who i am that always says no matter how hard you're working, somebody out there is working harder than you to take your job someday. And it, and and however hard you're working is how long it's going to take them to catch up to you. See, I, I've always liked the idea of people catching up to me so I can move on to something new. I'm, ever since I was about 24, I've made it a habit at every job to make sure I'm replaceable. Because the headache of when you're the everyman... And no one can do everything that you can do. You're stuck. You're immobile. Oh, see, for me, I'll just, I leave. Like, I could just leave. (laughs) I wouldn't have a problem. I'd just be like, I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. Like, I mean, you made made me irreplaceable. Not my, not my circus, not my monkeys. See ya. Like, I'm Company loyalty is, is waning quickly. People are more, more willing to just up and go now. I think that's a good thing. I think it's a good situation, really. Yeah, I think it's a good thing. And I, like, for me, it's. For me, it's not necessarily a new, doing a new thing. Like you were saying, I like to, you know, have the new thing, uh, you know, get to a new thing. And I like when people catch up to me. But for me, I like to think of my experience as just one big giant like balloon. And so it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's it's like the blob. It just keeps picking up or a katamari it just keeps picking up things as it goes. And so basically, however hard I work at adding to that uh, mass is you know how how much longer it'll take for somebody else to get to the same size and, see, and, and be that's that what i'm saying it's it's that or have a kid I yeah see i know i choice. know it's like i got i mean if that ball 
It's like that Katamari, if, I, if we have kids, that ball stops for a while. And I don't to know wrap, if it ever starts again in the same way. To wrap that conversation, though, I want to say that, I mean, I do struggle with it. There is, I don't know if it's social or or just personal, but I I don't I don't mind everyone having kids. My my siblings are are they don't like me to use the word breeding, but they're, mm-hmm. they're popping babies out. And they're, pro- they're 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 I'm procreating. okay with that. I think it's great. They have beautiful children, uh, and I'm not like dissing anybody. I'm just like. I'm interested in the struggle of people who decide not to. And there's a new book out, uh, or it's on pre-order, 16 essays by prominent writers about how they decided not to have kids Mm -hmm. and what it's been like doing that. So I'll link that in the show notes. I forgot to ask you in the the pre-show if you you had time to come up with top three picks. Oh, I I did. Okay. Well, you want to go ahead and give me your first one while well, well, I try to figure out my third one? No, it's all good. So my very first one and my second one actually tie in together. So um, my first one is my brand new camera that I just treated myself to, the one that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. The one that I would never be able to afford should I have had a child. Uh, <laughs> I have a Fujifilm X100T. And man, it's great. So I had a Canon 60D for a long time and realized I wasn't really using it the way that I, you know, the way that... I, a professional photographer would like I don't take it anywhere because it's very big and having to bring the lenses with you and you know swapping them and it's just a lot of camera for somebody like me and the fact that I was working at CNET kind of negated the need for something like that because I wasn't shooting my own video right so I was like well I think I'm gonna get another camera so I sold that one on eBay sold my 60d and uh, was looking into mirrorless and um, everybody just has been raving about the the X100T. So a couple couple guys like Dan from The Verge and a couple of other people are just like, oh man, this camera is so good. And um, I went and saw it at Sammy's camera and dropped in and I wanted to hate it so much. I was like, I hope I hate this camera because I don't want to spend the money on it. <laughs> and of course, like the second I picked it up, I'm like, I have to have this camera. Um, but it's really fantastic. It's got an electronic, it's got sort of a hybrid viewfinder, which is just really fantastic. Uh, there's a range finder in there in the bottom right corner of the hybrid viewfinder. Is it, is the body as small as it looks? Yeah, it's uh, I'd say it's, it looks like a 35 millimeter camera. I mean, yeah. it literally looks like a 35 millimeter. I got the silver one, so it looks even more like a retro camera and, um, it's fantastic. It's lightweight. It's easy to carry around. I just throw it in my bag. Uh, and I don't, I don't need a separate camera bag. I don't need, you know, I don't, I don't have any extra equipment for it, which is really fantastic. And it just takes such sharp pictures. It's, it's really, really great. So I'm, does it have um, interchangeable lenses. It does not. It's a fixed lens. However, okay. they do have lens adapters for a telephoto, which gives you a, like a 50 millimeter, uh, effect. And then there's another one that's a wide angle, um, that gives you a real nice wide angle effect. Yeah. But the nice thing about those adapters is there's not really a lot of chromatic aberration, especially on the wide angle, which you find in uh, super wide angle interchangeable lenses. There's usually some. So um, I, I really enjoy it. I mean, it's it's I'm just getting started with it and I'm kind of looking for places to go and things to shoot. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel like I finally kind of landed on. I didn't want to point and shoot a little cheap point and shoot because I I. You would never be happy with that. I would never be happy with that. I, I'm a, very much a product of my uh, my education, and I appreciate good cameras and lenses and making beautiful frames and, and getting great shots and things like that. So um, 
I definitely wanted something nicer, but I did not want an interchangeable lens camera. And this really felt like the one. So that was the sort of the compromise between it's definitely a prosumer camera. There's a lot of great settings on there. Um, and even if you're not a, a super great photographer, you can get great shots out of it, but it's not a camera that you need to spend, you know, two grand on, you know, a, one lens, like the, the body and like one lens, like you're not going to be spending that. So it's, it is, a, it's like 1299 though. So it's, it's not cheap, but it's, um, yeah, I feel like I'm going to have this one for a while. So yeah, the X100T is my first pick. Nice. I've been very happy with my first gen alpha Sony alpha. Um, They're great cameras. They are. And and my needs have gotten to a point where 90% of the time I'm perfectly happy with my iPhone. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Me too. But when I do, when I want a camera I can actually do, you know, some uh, depth of field work with. Right. Then, yeah. But this, yeah, I'm jealous. This looks really cool. It's such a nice camera. I'm, I mean, I just, I really love it. And I, I'm excited about learning more about it. And one of my favorite things about it is, um, I know other cameras have this, but the Wi-Fi feature. So you open up your your camera roll, your you open up your gallery, and you hit the Wi-Fi button, and you connect it to your phone, and you can immediately send your pictures from your camera right to your phone. So, um, which will after you tell me what you're into, I'll tell you what my second thing is, which is an app that I use to edit all my pictures. Nice. I have a ton of those. Um, we we could talk about those all day. Oh, me too. I know. Me too. All right, so my first pick is going to be relatively obvious, but I am loving HBO now. It's so good. It's it's uh, Christina and I talked about this on the last overtired extensively. It's priced at a point where if HBO was all I ever wanted, it would be a good investment. But mm-hmm. if if like FX jumped in at the same price, and then, you know, more networks became available, pretty soon you'd be spending as much as you would on a full cable package. Right. So that's annoying. I think it should be about half what it is right now, and I think they would make more money. Um, But this is the company that for years now has refused to let you watch HBO unless you had a cable subscription, Mm -hmm. which is, that has frustrated me to no end. So HBO now is very exciting for me. I have been, I have to admit, up until five days ago, I had never seen Game of Thrones. Oh man, this is like a whole new world for you then. So yeah, we're we're kind of going through that pretty fast. Oh yeah, you'll you'll burn right through it. And the nice thing is there are only ten episodes a season, so you'll catch up pretty quickly. Yeah, but they're they're very very hour long episodes. It's, oh yes, very. Um, I have different. I have completely different thoughts about HBO now and the pricing and all this other stuff. So I like. I'll, I'll, I'll refrain from that. Cause that's like a, that is literally a conversation I could have for hours. <laughs> give, give me the summary. <laughs> the gist of it being each episode of game of Thrones by itself, not counting any other content that HBO makes costs $3 million on average costs about $3 million to make. Are you kidding? No. And so, um, when you think about the content that HBO is making and also the fact that they have to pay for, uh, distribution, they have affiliate, like they get, they get licensing money from affiliates and stuff, but there's so many more middlemans than people realize in the television industry. Like they, like a lot of people just go, well, it's so simple. Why don't you just offer it all a cart? But it's not that easy. And, um, you know, I'm sure HBO had a lot of pressure from time Warner and Comcast and Verizon and all the, all the cable companies I'm sure are super not happy that, oh, uh, sure. and I'm sure that that was part of why it took so long. Um, I don't think HBO likes to leave money on the table ever, but well, and the fact that it's every show, every episode mm-hmm. is amazing it's great because i mean like the networks caught they force hulu to start 
like deprecating. Like mm-hmm. you can be watching a current season and first, second, third, they'll start dropping off the end. Right. So you can't go back. And that is Plus the cable so industry. The networks still have a lot of control over they do. the whole on-demand thing. I think a lot of people think that, oh, we're all, you know, it's a cord cutter. We've, we've killed television. I'm like, no, no. Broadcast TV still has a, a very strong hold on uh, how we view media. And if they are doing things like HBO now, it's because everyone, including broadcast and this those studios and those companies, uh, your your ISPs, are all realizing that they can't... They, finally, it's a tipping point. Like, okay, there's so many people pirating Game of Thrones now that it makes more sense to offer it at $15 a month to people who don't have... Uh, you know, who don't have it. Yeah. So, well, that's what I always thought. I, but you make I good thought points. that maybe that they would do a tiered system, which I thought would have been the smarter way to go, where you have three choices where you say, okay, uh, I want access to, you know, everything HBO does, including their back catalog and whatever they have, whatever movies they have running. Uh, and that's $25 a month. And then you have, which I mean, $15 a month to me seems like a bargain. Like a literal bargain, because not only are you getting all of the new movies that HBO has coming out, which generally speaking are a lot of the times newer than Netflix. I mean, there's some older stuff there, too, but um, you're also getting all their original content. And with shows like Last Week Tonight and Game of Thrones, um, I mean, they're just they're just crushing it. I mean, they're just amazing television. And so and Vice Vice has all those great documentaries. Um, You're getting all of the comedy specials that go to HBO. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that they do and produce that is so worth it. Um, so for me, and and you get the whole back catalog. So you've the Sopranos, and you've got you know Deadwood, and you've got or I don't know if Deadwood was on it, but you've got um, Six Feet Under, and you've got The Wire, and you've got I mean all these great shows, great great shows. I didn't and, mean to sound overly critical because I totally agree. I'm very very excited about the selection. Yeah, and well, and the thing is, is I thought maybe they would say, okay, so if you want the full back catalog video on demand at any time, you pay a higher fee, and then if you want, um, you know, if you want just our original content with none of the movies, like just HBO original content, maybe you pay, you know, nine ninety nine a month. See, and, and I'd be I'd be good with that. Yeah, and I think a lot of people would be. I, I think a lot of people would be. And I think, you know, and I, like it feels like they could have done a twenty dollar and a ten dollar uh, tier. And and I think a lot of people would choose twenty dollars because they, you know, they like having HBO and maybe they don't have cable. But then there's a lot of people who are like, well, I have Netflix, so I'll just pay nine ninety nine, and I only want original content. Um, but yeah, it, it, I I'm I was very curious to see their price point because I thought it would be higher, and um, I was very surprised when it wasn't. But it does seem like. They kind of have to look at the market and say, well, this is as much as people will pay. Yeah. I Netflix is frustrating me to no end. I thought by now their streaming selection would have improved. Well, their original but content, though, is so good. That I agree with. It's They've been so, doing so good, good stuff there. Which by in and of itself, to me, is inherently worth eight, eight bucks a month. And, and then, heard and then the on Arrested top of that, Development you have signed movies. on for another season on yeah, Netflix. 17 so more good. episodes. Yay. Like oh, a and by the season. way... Hulu has the first 14 seasons of CSI, the original, the good one. Wow. And, which I thought of when you were talking about cadavers. But anyway, I can't what's your watch, I can't pick? watch Hulu. I can't do it. It's too many commercials. I pay for it. I shouldn't have to. I should be able to fast forward through them. Sometimes they're good commercials, though. No, fair enough. I like commercials. Like, my background is more in advertising than TV production. Mm-hmm. I like a good commercial. I hate bad commercials. But anyway, what's your second pick? My second pick is the app that I use to edit my pictures right now. It's new. It's called Enlight. 
Yes. yes. And um, oh man, it's so I good. I think I actually picked that a couple weeks ago, but tell me your take on it. Um, I just really, uh, I have a lot of photo editing apps and I don't use them as often as I would like to because it's such a hassle to just open each one individually. So it's like, okay, this one I use for color correction and then this one I got to open if I want to do like fragment stuff. So fragment. Then if I want to do, you know, a collage, I open up Diptych and it's like, I have so many different apps. And um, the nice thing about Enlight is it kind of rolls like about five different apps that I used to use all into one app, which is fantastic. Um, I assume you did the curves upgrade. Yeah. Awesome. So good. Um, but yeah, so there's a, I'm sorry, my dogs are flipping out if you can hear them in the background. Um, but yeah, I really like the fact that you have like the artistic stuff. So you're able to have all of the, uh, oh boy. Wow, they must be really mad at something in the yard. There's maybe a cat in the yard or something. Um, but yeah, they're really... I love the artistic stuff. So you can do all the canvas things and the sketch stuff. And then you also have all of the text stuff. So you don't have to open that app to do separate like text that you want to put on pictures. And I, like, I just really prefer it over just about every other photo editing app. I still have Snapseed, uh, but I'm finding myself using it less and less with Enlight. Yeah, what I love about Enlight is it's basically Photoshop. Like, I don't have to have three different apps to get the kind of control I want. Although, I, dude, the photo editing in the default camera app now is better than a lot of what, like, the early Camera Plus stuff offered. Yeah. But yeah. everyone's been improving their game. Yeah. Um. So I've got, like, filters, darkroom, and light, and there's one other I was using. Oh, Camera Plus with the PLUS, not the plus sign. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I love... I love both, but yeah, so I have like four that are go-to, mm-hmm. but in light totally stole the show. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I, I have like, um, I was using like, oh, I have like, I don't even remember the names of some of these apps. I was using one for like cross processing stuff and doing double exposure. And then I was using KitCam and I had, KitCam was awesome. I, I was sad to see that go. Yeah. VSCO cam. Like I was yep. using all that stuff and tangent and reap. Like I was just using so many things. And, um, and then I ended up just getting rid of most of them because now in my, in my phone, I have Enlight. I've got camera plus with the plus sign. Um, I have that one as well. <laughs> Diptych fragment, uh, tangent VSCO cam and kit cam are on like a second folder. And that's pretty much it now. My uh, my folder for photography apps is one, two, three, four pages. Mine used to be five. And I, I was just finally like, okay, Eskada, you got to cut this well, down. Well, yeah, you, this you is just named a few I've never even heard of. So I'm yeah. going to have to dig back through. I'm like, this is, but, you've got to cut this down. This has got to stop. I have a bunch of like HDR ones mm-hmm. and Cortex Cam, which I think is not on the app store anymore. But Cortex Cam use video to take pictures. Oh, okay. So it would do like these rapid, like 30 frame per second HDR photos, basically. And you could, even at night in an alley, take a picture of the dumpster and be able to like see every word scrawled on it. Yeah, it was cool. But anyway. All right. So my second pick is one, I'm, I'm not familiar enough with this app to strongly recommend it, but I'm very intrigued by it. It's called Keep Everything. Mm-hmm. And it's available on both iOS and uh, Mac, and it lets you just save web pages. And it works kind of like bookmarking, but it also saves markdown copies of every web page. And you have a full text index that you can search. It syncs through Dropbox, and you can just capture everything. I kind of do a combination of bookmarking 
and capturing, depending on what kind of information it is and how hard it was to find. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Pinboard covers most of my needs, especially with full text search, but its search is a little bit wonky. So if I really am depending on having information at hand, I drag it to NVL, but Keep Everything is offering some new possibilities that I'm rather excited about. You know, that's um that strikes me as a really great that strikes me as a really great app for writers who write online. Because oh, sure. I know so yeah. many people who write for websites who then, you know, the website goes out of business and then all of a sudden all that work they put in is gone. They don't have any archive of it. It's just not there. <laughs> when when Tua shut down, the first thing I did was build a robot, a scraper, and pull together archive PDFs and mark down folders for every writer currently on staff and then some past ones as well. Wow. And yeah, it was it was good because those articles will not last forever. Although Engadget has absorbed them, but anyway, yes, it, it, keeping keeping copies of the web locally, as much as the internet is forever, the mm-hmm. information is more valuable than site design and right. you know server accessibility. And yeah, I think everyone should be archiving things they actually care about. Yeah, that will be important someday. Don't archive everything. Come on. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's that's a big problem with you know photography and stuff. I have uh, I have an app that f- forces me to pick ten pictures that I take a month, and then they print them, and then those go into a scrapbook, and then usually like I go back, and everything that I really don't need gets deleted. Yeah. So I try to curate. Try. I'm really trying hard to sort of choose my photos wisely. I kind of use Flickr for that. I. You know, like I'll sit down and I'll take uh, everything from a shoot and I'll pick out the keepers and then just add them to my Flickr account. And then over the years, since like 02 or whatever, um, I, I've amassed a good backup, which is good because a couple times I've lost terabytes of stuff locally, but all my favorite pictures are still on Flickr. If Flickr ever goes under, I'll mm, be... You're in but trouble. I also have, I have bots that back that stuff up to the cloud too, so... I back everything up now. All right. Well, I think you have to. So, Enlight and your third pick. Uh, so my third pick is, is so so dorky. Um, I'm really into Final Fantasy 14 right now. <laughs> That's a video game, right? Yeah, it is. It's an online. It's like an MMO. It's a Final Fantasy themed MMO. On uh, I'm playing it on PlayStation Four. But yeah, I'm just I'm generally like I I'm playing. I'm I'm a tank. So it's fun for me. This is a new, kind of a new arena for me in an MMO. I usually play ranged DPS. Uh, I play a hunter in World of Warcraft. You are saying so many words I don't know. I know, I know. So so many of your listeners hopefully will understand what the hell I'm talking about. But um, yeah, no, I've been playing a tank, and so it's kind of a shield for everybody. And uh, me and my best friend Mike have been playing. So I have a, I have a warrior, and um, he's got a scholar. So he's a healer. So we just kind of run around and. Uh, do quests and have fun and i go to the gold saucer and gamble a lot it's good times uh, anybody who's a fan of final fantasy will know what i'm talking about but yeah it's pretty great uh it's it's just it's just been really fun i'm really enjoying it and that's kind of been the game that i've been playing recently which is pretty cool say the name of it again so i can put it in my notes it's final, final Fa- fantasy final fantasy what? 14 a, a realm technically it's a realm reborn is the full title all right yeah i wish i could talk to you more about that but I tried, I bought an Xbox uh, 360, whatever one had the motion 3D. The Kinect? Yes. 
I bought that because I thought it would be fun to hack, and then I tried to play the Bio-something game. I don't know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, Bioshock. Yeah. And I, it, just, I, I, it was kind of like reading fiction books for me. I just couldn't get into it. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Makes sense. Uh, so I, I didn't have a third pick when we started this conversation, and I kind of just started flipping through the apps I've been using most recently uh, because apps are easy for me. It's what I do. And I'm picking, uh, it's called Sketch Toolbox. Okay. For people who are designing in Sketch, which is pretty capable of taking over Illustrator's position in most designers' lives. Um, But the beauty of it is its extensibility and its JS Talk plugin architecture. And Sketch Toolbox basically gives you a plugin manager. So you can just open it up, browse through the plugins and click install or uninstall and just keep your collection organized and up to date because it can refresh and update plugins as well and it's kind of brilliant it's kind of like alcatraz for xcode you know what i mean (laughs) that sounds awesome yeah uh sketches yeah sketch has command line tools now and you can automate in a build system from xcode the export of all your assets into an assets container Oh, wow. Um, see, I, I, I don't know if you program, but I think I'm probably talking to you about this the way you're talking to me about video games. I was going to say, all these words seem vaguely familiar, and I like <laughs> I, I think I can piece together because I have just a very, very, very small amount of programming experience, but um, I can kind of piece it together, but I'm sure other people with programming experience are far more excited about that. It's kind of like the fact that I earned a badge for my jean jacket playing enduro on the atari oh my god enduro. and that's my gaming experience wow of course i didn't get an atari i got an atari 2600 when i was 16 years old which would have been what's 78 plus 16 i can't do math in my head i know i'm like i'm it's too early it's before yeah, but noon. it was it it's was before like noon on a saturday i was told there would be no years. i was told there would be no math brett what? Be no math? No, I was, I was told there would be no math. Oh, there would be no math. I apologize. I did. Uh, that was specifically in the contract. I forgot. It was. That's in my That's in my podcast writer. I send that out every time I appear on a podcast. I've got the no math. That's number one. <laughs> and brown M&Ms. Yeah, all brown. Gotta be all brown. All right. Well, thank you for, for putting up with the top three picks. That was, you have great ones. Oh, thanks. So do you. I want to check out that, <laughs> sa- I want to check out that save everything. That's cool. Yeah, keep everything. Keep everything. Okay, wait. I'm going to look that up right now. Keep everything. I will uh, I, w- I will update after using it more extensively if I decide it's a keeper. Oh, I see. Okay, grewsoft.com slash keeper. Oh, keepeverything.com is like that's I their... am grewsoft. Um, yeah, so anyway, we'll we'll give people some contact info here. You can be found at ashleyescada.com, which is... A-S-H-L-E-Y-E-S-Q-U-E-D-A dot com. Yeah, I'm rebuilding my website right now. I so. noticed. It's it's a little, it's a, kind of a under construction page. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that also links page. to your Tumblr. It does, which my Tumblr is is up and running. And that was actually my old, uh, like, ashleyscather.com. I'm just, I decided to go back to WordPress. I switched back and forth. I, I can't decide. I'm the worst. I, I just I dug myself so far into Jekyll that I can't switch again. <laughs> I'll have I to look into that. I see. Here's my problem though. It's like if I look into that, I'll be like, oh, maybe I need to rebuild it in that. 
And then I'll end up just going like over and over again. I'll just yeah, keep switching. Jekyll, like my Jekyll install is so custom. I've spent so many hours writing the generator for it that I'm just kind of trapped. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, you're you're at Ashley Escada dot tumblr dot com as well yeah and then i you're ashley escada on twitter too right yeah i'm pretty easy to find i mean i feel yeah. like twitter is i think the main that's where i talk to everybody so if anyone wants to get a hold of me i'm twitter is probably the best way there you go that will be in the show notes awesome. and yeah thanks for being here oh my god i had such a fun time i'm so glad to have say, thank you for inviting me back I, I i it makes me feel like i didn't frighten you or or I wasn't terribly boring last time. Not so at good. all. You're you're fascinating, and I definitely am serious about having you on Overtire. We have never had a guest yet. Oh, I, I'm It's in. just Christina and I talking endlessly, and we've been talking very seriously about having guests, and I'm going to refer you to our manager, who is Grant Robertson now, oh, and awesome. uh, and our producer, I suppose you would say. Yeah, and, and we'll schedule that. I'm anxious to have it happen. I'm in. Let's talk about TV and movies on Overtired. You'll love it. Sweet. I'll love it. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll be back in a week. And, uh, yes, we're continuing with our month of women in tech. Hopefully, if everything comes through. Anyway. It will. Thanks again. I believe. I believe it will. There are lots of women in tech. Uh, and we were supposed to have that conversation. I and know. Anyway. I'm, I'm, I'll sign off there. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you in a week. And uh, and that's going to be a wrap. 